You're listening to the Business with Universal Love Show, real experiences of the spiritual realm united with the world of business. Hosted by Michael Seif. Whether you are in the business of providing products and services for customers, in the business of serving the people, or in the business of protecting people, this podcast show is for you. We explore how executives bring spirituality to their people and uncover both the tangible and the intangible benefits of creating a soul-filled workplace where people love coming to work. Now on to the show. Hey folks, today we are interviewing Pete Husack, who is a CEO and owner of a small business in Colorado Springs. In this inspiring show, you will learn from Pete how he has broken some of the traditional corporate dynamics that plague CEOs and instead created a company culture centered around valuing each other as an expression of unconditional love. His spiritual insights on running a company are priceless and provide great lessons for you to apply to your own business. Enjoy the interview. It's a good one for your soul. Pete, you've got a great business. Today, you run an office furniture and installation service for companies, organizations, for schools, the cover state of Colorado and a few other states, and you have a drywall installation business as well. So as we talk a little bit about spirituality and expression of love in the workforce, tell me a little bit about how you got started in your business and how you got going. Well, out of college, I worked for Xerox Corporation for about nine years and was a sales guy and then eventually um, kind of a manager for that company. And my original sales manager at Xerox called me out of the blue and hired me to run the Colorado Springs Officescapes location as the general manager. And along the way, kind of learned that I really enjoyed the entrepreneurial part of the business. And so along the way, we started a flooring business called Floors and a structured cabling business called Links and an audiovisual company called Ansi that eventually kind of blended into Links. And then along the way, got into the school furniture business versus just traditional steelcase dealer, where now that's the largest part of the furniture business is outfitting K-12 schools in Colorado, New Mexico, and Wyoming. That's now probably 60-70% of the business. And then along the way, started a uh, paper company called Paper Hive, which was the only failure, and then uh, started Advantage Drywall in 2010 which now amazingly employs 100 people. And they are a structural steel, acoustical ceiling, drywall, commercial subcontractor that works with general contractors in the Southern Colorado area. And then just because I really enjoy it, there's a separate business called Pistol Pete Auctions, which is I'm an auctioneer. And so Saturday night, I put on the tuxedo and do galas <laughs> for schools and nonprofits around mostly Denver and Colorado Springs. So. Yeah. Well, that's quite an accomplishment there with those different businesses and learning from that and being able to provide that kind of product and services locally within Colorado and then elsewhere. And you talked about, you know, each year you kind of, over time, you grew a little bit. When exactly did you switch over from, you know, being a rep here to actually owning the own business? 
So I started with Officescapes in 1996, was actually a partner of the whole business that included Fort Collins, Denver, and Colorado Springs, the one that I ran. And then in 2008, wonderful timing, um, (laughs) I bought the Colorado Springs location, which included the school business. And that kind of parent, kind of legal company is called Team Pikes Peak, which owns Officescapes Schools and Advantage Drywall. Nice. Yeah. So uh, what would you say are some of your biggest lessons you've learned as being an owner? One of the biggest things, really starting in the late 90s, met a guy named Vern Harnish that was with uh, Gazelles and learned from him that really in terms of the planning for the company, uh, using a planning pyramid which starts with core values and then the CEO's purpose and then kind of the big, hairy, audacious goal and the three to five year goals, annual goals, and then quarterly, monthly, weekly, and even daily activities that move the business. And so that's really the kind of the planning pyramid, if you will, for the business planning. But one of the biggest parts that I learned from all of that is those core values and therefore the culture of the company. And so the purpose of the company is to harness the gifts of our people so they shine, you know, comes right out of the letting your light so shine among men. But people have these innate gifts And if you're able to harness those gifts or if you're able to really expose those gifts, then that makes them happy because they're naturally great at it. And then they're able to shine both in the community and to their customers because they're doing their thing and they're doing what they know best and they're great at it. For instance, our designers do unbelievably innovative things and uh, love what they do. You know, they've actually won awards from school districts on the impact that they've had on their kids, which is big. It's kind of a family environment. People like to come to work because they like the people. Yeah. Well, you had a lot of success and I'll ask you a little bit more about what that's looked like. You talked obviously about sort of the core values of the company and then you talked about some spiritual values of you know, harnessing people's gift and that, that it's innate to them. Not many companies, you know, look at people that way or their workforce that way. How impactful do you think it's been for your company to have those kinds of values for the employees? You know, it makes them feel good that they're appreciated. And I think it's also just one of those things where you can see it in them. It's just so important to just try to pull that out of them if they don't really see it. I tell them a lot of times, like we just had a large interview for a large project, and I told them, don't be nervous, just be yourself, because that's what people are buying. They're buying Mm -hmm your expertise, your knowledge, your experience. And so just be yourself and tell them what you do. Don't feel like you have to be somebody other than yourself. Be the opposite. Be exactly yourself and show those gifts because they're going to see it, Mm -hmm. you know. And so it's fun for me over the years, you know, you just kind of get out of the way. Same thing on the drywall side of the business. We have 100 guys, and over 10 years, there's been probably half of the number of people that we have have been kind of that core group that have stuck with us over thick and thin for a long haul. And we've just learned that really promoting from within is the way to go because they get what we do. They get the culture. It's funny, you just kind of naturally say they're one of us, you Mm -hmm. know, and we've hired people from the outside, and they sometimes they work out just fine. 
But it's amazing how when things get tough, the people that have been with us for a long time just roll up their sleeves and make it happen. So it's just a difference. I get that cultural side. You know, we have a lot of people that outside people would consider are, you know, different nationalities or, you know, they don't speak English as a first language, etc. But I just love those guys. They're all legal. They're all either have a green card or U.S. citizens. They're all E-verified, all that stuff. But at the same time, they're just so good at what they do. And they're such good people and such hard workers that it's just been really fun to provide benefits and vacation time and things to help them. It's been really enjoyable to watch people go from just being a laborer to being a foreman running a crew and watching them develop a family and buy a house. And that's been really fun to watch. So that's been good. Yeah, I'm sure there's a certain amount of satisfaction from your perspective to say, hey, we hired these people a while ago. I saw some talent that they had, and I think they'll fit our culture. And then you've been rewarded by seeing that actual growth. So you see it obviously here within the company, and you see a little bit outside in terms of community you talked about. How about your customers? How are they benefiting from this perspective you have with your employees? Yeah, it's really interesting. I would say a big part of the success is the customers that have seen that. But I will tell you that there are customers out there that our culture just doesn't match with. They just want to buy the cheapest thing out there and they just want to grind you into salt. Those are not the kind of customers that we really get along with. And you kind of shrug your shoulders and just move on. But I would say most of the customers see the value of our people. It it works out really well. Yeah. It sounds like you're saying that you have a great deal of trust in your employees Mm -hmm. to execute the core values and planning pyramid that you established. And then you see that in terms of the outgrowth. That's absolutely right. And so it is one of those things where you absolutely just need to let your people do their thing. For instance, with the salespeople, I do meet with them individually every other week and just check in to you know, give them guidance or whatever, and they're used to that kind of flow. And so I would say a lot of those meetings or huddles are really set up from a cadence perspective. But yeah, the idea is to let them do their thing and get out of their way. Mm -hmm. And I think they really feel enabled to make decisions on behalf of the company. And obviously, that does take that trust to build that and to give them that trust. And I think they really appreciate that. I've got a guy that's been with us for longer than me, but he's been with the company for 37 years. And and that's exactly what he says is that's what he likes about working here is the fact that he can just do his thing. And he's also just fabulous, you know, yeah. and so there's not a lot I need to do. Some of them also can learn from each other in terms of what their really great skills are. Yeah. Anyway. You know, when you talked about the strengths and weaknesses of the employees and kind of helping each other out, it seems like they've developed a good sense of camaraderie and collaboration, which makes them, of course, flexible in being able to adapt to downturns or things like that that Mm -hmm. come across. But I would also imagine that there's probably a certain amount of creativity that gets fostered with that kind of environment where they're not feeling like they meet a certain deadline or goal all the time that they can kind of open up their aperture a little bit and look around at what's going on. That's really true. I mean, I don't hover over them 
you know, I think they like working with me because over all these years, I've learned that being brought up at Xerox, I'm kind of a junkyard dog, new business development kind of sales guy. So I do two things. I run the company and watch the numbers and do all the business side of it. But I'm also the biggest cheerleader. I'm the new business development guy out in the car, driving around, digging up deals, and then I feed them. So they're actually pretty lucky because they love the fact that there's quite a few deals that I'm spoon feeding to them. And I use the scout versus hunter analogy. You know, I'm kind of the scout. I point to the elk and tell them to shoot it, and then they have to shoot it cut it up, bring it back so we can all eat. So that's kind of a weird analogy, but that's kind of how it works. And so it helps me understand really what's going on in the marketplace. And it helps me kind of guide the company to here's the pitfalls. Here's the customers we do want to chase. Here's the customers we don't want to chase. Here's the relationships we really want to foster. And so I do spend a lot of time with the key people that feed us. Mm -hmm. And so I refer to those as new best friends. And so I met them years ago and they were new best friends and now they continue to be best friends and you just foster those relationships. But there are so many people that feed our business because they appreciate what we do. And so we just love those guys, those people. So one of the things that people do tend to understand is the idea of unconditional love. And when we talk about camaraderie within the workforce, or we talk about the relationships with the customers, that there's kind of this respect or this valuing each other. And how accurate do you think it is to say that kind of value is an outgrowth of an unconditional love that you're setting the example for? Yeah, no, absolutely. You know, love in the sense that it comes with trust. But in some ways, kind of being that manager is a little bit like being a parent. But at the same time, it's different in the sense that you're really standing back and letting them do their thing. But but yeah, there are times where they'll make a mistake. You know, we've made bad mistakes sometimes. And, you know, I'll say to them, I don't care as long as Kim is still here, you know. (laughs) I don't really care about the mistake, you know, and that makes them feel good. You lick your wounds and you move on to the next one, but, you know, they'll never do that again. And so there are some learnings from that. It's love with principle, I would call it. It's having that unconditional love and, and supporting that group that supports your culture and so forth. But at the same time, it's guiding it strongly in the sense that that principle side, that they know you're taking it in the right direction, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. So, especially in the good and bad times, you know, I describe it like the weather. Hey, you know, we're facing a storm right now, or we've got the wind in our back and we are blowing and going. So just keep rolling. You know, this is as good as it's going to get. It's the tough times that really are the important times where you say, okay, this is like sailing in super rocky seas. The rain's coming down and now it's time to batten down the hatches. And so hold on. Absolutely. But yeah, it's kind of crazy. As far as how you want to remember your role, if you will, as CEO owner of the business, how often do you think about a legacy and what would that look like for you? Are you You know, it kind of goes along with our big, hairy, audacious goal. You know, on the school side, it's been really fun talking about, you know, love is fun to watch students in the environments and the inspirational spaces where we're providing collaborative 
movable, flexible learning spaces, these kids are thriving in it. And just over the last few years, I mean, again, there's been kind of this vibe or kind of this change that's occurring in the faces of these kids. And so I kind of wrote this mantra two or three years ago that we want to impact 400,000 kids in Colorado between now and 2030. And so it isn't about so much, you know, it kind of changes the rules a little bit. It's not like, okay, we want to do X million dollars worth of business. It's not necessarily that, okay, we want to stab and win every, go hunt and stab every deal out there. It's just, we're trying to tell our customers that there is this great, cool thing that our folks are able to do. There's this mojo that we're bringing to schools that is impacting kiddos. Call it a 5%, 10%, 20% change. It's a change that we're able to impact. And that's been really fun to deliver that story to say, we want to help these kids because we're moving the needle. Mm -hmm. So that's the idea. Yeah. Well, that's great that you're seeing that there's a value in moving that needle. And one of the things that executives leaders struggle with is, you know, there are tangible results and then there are intangible results. And so the tangible results are obviously the bottom line, the profit margin, things like that, the growth rates. And yet the intangible, as you kind of talked about a little bit there, is seeing the impact on the kids. And it doesn't show up on your bottom line that kids' test scores are better, or their dropout rates are less, or, you know, it's a nice thing to have, but it's hard to quantify that or qualify. Yeah, but you're always as good as your last job. So as long as the superintendent is telling the next superintendent that's about to do the project that, geez, these guys not only did a great job, but our kids love the stuff. There's a product that we provide that hasn't had a service call on it for 10 years. And it was interesting to hear out of the superintendent's mouth that her telling another superintendent, hey, they look exactly the same as the day we bought them. And that's part of that expertise that my folks provide is we have vetted after all these years, we've really vetted all these products, vetted all these processes to the point where we know what works and doesn't work and we know the impact that it can have. And you see it on the test scores and you see it on the kid's face. And I love when I got a note from Deer Trail, Colorado, a little rural town out east and the Jack with his cowboy boots on and a big belt buckle on and his hair gelled up in the front. And they said, Jack has never read like he's read in the chair that you provided. You know, you think it's a little thing, but when you're making that kind of difference, it really makes you happy. You know? Yeah. You know, congratulations for one, seeing the impact that that has in an intangible way Mm -hmm. and then getting some tangible results in terms of like a letter or a comment. How much does that motivate you to continue to grow your business? Because you've been doing it for a while now. Yeah. The part that motivates me, I think, is that I grew up in Chicago and just dreamed about moving to Colorado. And so the day after high school graduation, I loaded my 1966 Ford pickup with a pro rodeo sticker on the bumper and and drove to Colorado and never left. So I feel like I'm living my dream every day. And so to impact the West and retain that frontier spirit and to impact kids, to inspire them and to make them better people and to really impact the next two generations is what we're really focused on doing. That's huge, you know, to impact that community and move those kids to the next level. That's big, Mm -hmm. you know. I mean, I love doing the front range stuff in Colorado and the larger cities, but I just love doing the rural areas because you can move the needle so much out there. They're just used to nothing. And when you have this inspiring space and these kids come in and they just can't believe it, 
and they feel like they're so special that they've got this new school that they're moving into. And that's super fun. These rural communities, it's the school and it's the post office and it's the one restaurant that kind of make up the town. And so the school is kind of the center of that community. And so it's pretty fun to impact those rural communities. Yeah. I hear a lot of self-satisfaction you get. Yeah. Super fun. I love that. And then, you know, like I said before, on the drywall side, it's really, I mean, these guys just really are good at what they do and just fun to see their smiles and the fact that they feel like we've really done a good job. We're not yelling and screaming at them like so many other construction companies. We expect a lot and we expect hard work and we expect professional work and we want to be the largest in town. But it's those guys that are producing that. And to see their smiles and see their expertise and they are protecting the company and protecting us from the bad people that might join the company because they appreciate the fact that we've given them good pay, a good environment, benefits, vacation time, and all the tools that they need, etc. And so I think they think that that's a really great place to be. So I love to watch them protect the company and embrace the company because that's exactly what we want to do as yeah. well. Yeah. You know, one of the things that CEOs across the country you know, struggle with is hiring and retaining top mm-hmm. talent. And what I've heard from you is there's a certain amount of family camaraderie within the group and that protective of the company yeah. kind of mentality that that one has a, a role to play in hiring talent and retaining talent. Yeah. Sounds like uh, that's what's going on there. Well, the hiring process is obviously super important and everybody does it differently. But depending on the role, I mean, what people get a little wore out because we'll have five or six people interview this person. And I like to interview them in different environments too, not just in the office, but maybe at a restaurant for lunch or or maybe at a different site so we can see what kind of person they are. You know, just watching them interact with a waitress at a diner is amazing to see if they hold the door open, to see if they are courteous, to see if they're just good people. But usually the people that we're talking to, we've been watching from afar anyway, or we've heard about them, or we can call people that we know that know them, etc. And so we just want to make sure that they are a good fit. But these people are brutal because of the culture. If we make a mistake, it is uncanny how all of a sudden it's like, oh boy. I mean, they don't say anything, but they're pretty rough on them in terms of, oh yeah, this is the wrong fit. I mean, they're just super open about it, which doesn't happen a lot. But obviously, if you hire a good one, it's so fun for them. They'll say to me immediately, oh yeah, they're one of us. Yeah, there's a certain amount of attraction out there where the same kind of people, same kind of viewpoints and attitudes kind of draw each other together. Yeah. And it feeds off of each other. Totally. Well, as we get here to the end, any other words of wisdom business-wise you want to share? I think the other thing is a business owner, I think that it's super important to understand your own gifts and to not try to be somebody that you're not. I've 
learned the hard way how to run the business, but I've always been kind of a natural sales guy. So you need to look at the three legs of the stool, which is the finance leg, the operational leg, and the sales leg. And when you're a small company, you can definitely fulfill that sales leg was my kind of three legs of the stool. As you grow, you have to kind of release that and become the CEO. The fun thing about my business is that I call it management selfishness, where you bring in really great people around you to do the stuff that you don't want to do. And quite frankly, that you're not that great at so that you can do the stuff that you love to do. So I spend about half my time running the business, but half the time I love, I'm just kind of weird. I love getting in the car and going and talking to customers and digging up deals and forming relationships. And, and that's what I love to do. And so I think it's great if a CEO can get out there and tell their story because they're the one, hopefully that's the most passionate about it. So you're just happy to come to work every day because you basically designed the environment around what you're good at and what you like to do. And then, for instance, I have a guy that's kind of my alter ego that he's the president of the company and he is the inside the office and I am outside the office. <laughs> Just like Michael Jordan had Scottie Pippen, you got to have a great number two. Yeah. And a lot of times what I've learned is like I'm the outgoing one. My alter ego is kind of a quiet, smart, nerdier one. <laughs> and so that's exactly what he is. And we are the perfect yin and yang. So yeah. if you're a CEO as you grow the company, you know, think about somebody internally that gets the culture that could be your yin and yang kind of person. Yeah. Um, because as you grow, that's huge to be able to have that person to lean on and to be good at the stuff that you're not good at. Yeah. So. Well, Pete, thank you for those fabulous insights today. <laughs> You've got a great company, something to be proud of. And uh, thanks for being on my show. Okay. Have a good day. All right. Thanks to all for listening to this episode with Pete Husack. CEO of Team Pikes Peak. I really enjoyed this interview because Pete and I got to explore how he taps into the gifts of his workforce and accelerate his company's growth. Businesses today can benefit immensely from this kind of approach. These episodes contribute to my mission. I'm on a mission to help executives create their legacy built upon universal love and spirituality in the workforce. Did you know that 78% or more of the public consider themselves spiritual in some way? Leaders can tap into that strength to foster an engaged, enthusiastic, and inspired workforce. Through these explanatory shows and other ways, I act as a business vitality catalyst for leaders. If you have content you would like to hear about in the future or would like to learn more, you can contact me on LinkedIn or reach me on my website at michaelsype.net. Have a great day.